0: So, and Enar and Starfleet, how's that even work?
1: I thought you guys were all pacifists. I actually wanted to be a botanist. I love Flora. I will not fight for Starfleet, but I will defend its ideals. Pacifism is not passivity. It's the active protection of all living things in the natural universe.
0: A matter of perspective like using touch instead of sight. I wouldn't know.
1: to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Nachkarnik, and with me, hiding from the Gorn in a brown dwarf are Emily Bowen Marlar. See, I keep saying R. It should just be is in these situations where there's just <laughs> one other person with me. But I keep forgetting. It's all I guess it's more of an aspirational R, right? Maybe like Adam will pop in right as you introduce yourself and Adam Bowen and my axe. You know. But not so my
0: much. My axe. Nice. Okay. Are we, do you want me to keep going? then? yeah, yeah, we're yeah good. Just go okay, with it. Just cool, go cool. Go okay, welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we're covering the fourth episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds, Memento Mori.
1: Please do us a solid and follow us on social media. We use the ha- the ha- the username at Strange New Takes <laughs> on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about the podcast. We always appreciate having new listeners. And we also appreciate getting a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast app you use. And just finally, there are going to be spoilers in this uh, episode. I'm not going to spoil Top Gun Maverick, even though I'll probably talk about it at some point. Um, I promise you that much. But there are going to be spoilers for Star Trek and maybe other sci-fi too. So just be aware that that's what you sign up for when you listen to our episodes. Alright. Well, as Emily just mentioned, we're talking about the fourth episode of Strange New Worlds, Memento Mori. It first aired twenty-six May 2022. It's written by Davy Perez and Bordemayo. It's directed by Dan Liu. And it's in universe, universe date is kind of worthless because as we'll talk about in a little bit, star dates and strange new worlds don't matter at all. <laughs> so we always start our recaps with our Strange New Takes. Emily, do you have a strange new take for me?
0: My strange new take is that learned helplessness is a tool of the oppressor. And so when there are things that are happening in this world that feel awful and feel like we have no power to do anything to change them, that's because that's what they want us to think. So reclaim your power and stand up and let your voice be heard. So anyway, I'm not going to go into the specifics, but I just have to i just you. have to throw that out there. So because I, I think aligned. we've all kind of felt that a little bit this week. So um, anyway, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm fighting against that. Um, my strange new take for the episode is it's a very special Memorial Day episode. I don't know that we've had one of those in Star Trek before. You know, it's it, it was kind of I was like, well, they must have really planned this to come out this week on purpose. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, 100%. I had the same feeling. Uh, my strange new take is that Top Gun Maverick is amazing. Uh, I, I am, want to I am, see it. <laughs> yeah, I am un- Embarrassed to share that the, top, the original Top Gun is one of my favorite cheese ball movies of all time. Oh, yeah, me too. I love it. I love all the lines from it. I love yep. all the characters from it. it the is, music. The <laughs> music is actually one of the top 10 soundtracks of all time. 100% like, unironically <laughs> yeah uh and so it was very good I did not think this movie could live up to the hype like I genuinely thought this was just gonna be like a movie that like I enjoyed despite it being bad and it is seriously good like it is nice. so freaking good nice and I'm gonna go and just it. And just when you think that it's like topped itself and you're like okay now it's it's over like the the, 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 the you know it's 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 good, but now it's done. The movie is like kind of winding down. It gets even better. Nice. So I'm not going to spoil it, but let's just say that is one of the only movies. I think it's the only other movie other than Star Trek 2009 where I've been like, after I watched it in the theater, I was like, shit, I got to watch this in IMAX because it's really good. Nice. like visually, specifically. So um obviously our star trek can't do this but top gun maverick also has a lot of practical effects like they put people in the aircraft and filmed them actually in the f-18 so can't quite do that with the enterprise uh you know so um anyway well well so with with my actual uh star trek strange new take i i'll go off of yours emily i thought the like kind of memorial day you know like similarity was a little cringy in my mind i didn't Mm -hmm. even i think it could i i don't know i've always felt a little awkward when tv shows are like and we're gonna fictionalize a real situation in like too close to the event you know like it just feels a little i don't know disrespectful in a weird way uh so i I didn't quite like it
0: well and it was also like like the whole everyone had to wear a pin and it just reminds me of like, you know, if you're a politician, and you're not wearing an American flag pin, then clearly yeah. you hate our country. And it's like, if you have run to be a legislator in the United States Congress, you probably don't hate our country. Like, I don't need you to wear a pin to show me your patriotism. Lon doesn't. Curly
1: hates Starfleet and everything it stands for.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> when the board game Lon was like, good. <laughs> I'm glad that they're going to destroy everything. <laughs> oh, uh, well, let's, let's jump in uh, to discussing this in, epi- in detail. That was literally the first part of the episode. Was that, <laughs> Yeah, it know, was. Like <laughs> speech about the people who we've lost and stuff, which... Again, I think if it wasn't quite like released right before Memorial Day, mm-hmm. I feel like it would be like okay, whatever. Like it was is just two on the nose. Yeah, it was just very much. And you actually tapped your nose there, and I didn't get the signal when you said before you said on the nose. Uh, <laughs> I did not understand what that would t- What what you were doing there? Um, oh, I didn't read the summary. By the way, let no. me read the episode summary. While on a routine supply mission to a colony planet, the USS Enterprise comes under an attack. Under an attack? Shouldn't it be under attack? Anyway, under an (laughs) attack from an unknown malevolent force. Wow. Mm -hmm. Whoever's writing this is definitely different from the person who wrote the Discovery Recaps. This is really long and detailed (laughs) and uses big words. Pike (laughs) brings all his heart and experience to bear in facing the crisis. Uh, But the security officer warns him that the enemy cannot be dealt with by conventional Starfleet means. Yeah, this is definitely written by, like, not someone at the network. This is, like, an amateur.
0: Well, and the fact thing. that they call on the security officer without naming her, like, that just seems weird, too. <laughs> it's yeah, like, this, this person is, doesn't really know Star Trek and doesn't know the names of anyone who's in the show.
1: <laughs> for real. This is, this like, all this episode summary needed to be, like, the Enterprise and her crew must get great creative in defeating a unseen enemy or something. You know, like, yeah. that's that's the that should be the summary. But anyway. um. <laughs> Okay, so, so let, let's dispose of the memorial... Well, let's not call it Memorial Day Conversation. It wasn't on Memorial Day. It was the... What was it called? Looking for the name of the day. Yeah, I don't even remember. Um, commemorating the... Star Trek, Starfleet Remembrance Day. Oh, okay. So, so let's... Let's set aside the conversation of Starfleet Remembrance, unless you have something to add.
0: No, I was just going to say, I mean, in some ways, I guess I can understand why they would be marking that because they just came out of the Klingon War. So, you know, they're you, sure. so, that. Yes. Ca- so I mean, I was I was going to kind of give them that, but it's still just, it was a little on the nose, so.
1: Would you like to know which pins everybody was wearing? Sure. <laughs> so, Lon obviously had the SS Puget Sound. Mm -hmm. Kyle had the USS Shinzu which implies that he was maybe serving on that ship Okay. Pike wore a discovery pin which like hey dude hasn't anyone reminded you that that thing's classified and never existed Uh, (laughs) Uhura was wearing the USS Gallant Hammer the USS Angelou Una was wearing USS Antares a ship which Pike also served on according to his service record seen in the episode Brother Ortega's had the USS Palenque Spock had the USS Congo with a K, uh, previously only seen in a list of active ships on a screen in Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Interesting. And Dr. Mabenga had the USS Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga, yeah. Yeah. You, Chapel, had the USS Farragut, which is Captain Kirk's first deep space assignment, which two years earlier lost 200 crew, including its captain, to a cloud creature. According now, why to is the, it that I hear. The television series lost. What?
0: I hear the USS Farragut. I hear that being said in Jean-Luc Picard's voice. So was there a Farragut that was in Next Generation?
1: That it does have some like I feel like also Picard has hard consonants that he uses when he speaks so like yeah. Farragut.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like it, it just yeah. like I could just totally hear that in his voice. So.
1: Yeah, 100%, right? Like it uh let's let's see what it uh <laughs> what this says so there are two there's an alternate reality farragut and the 23rd century federation starfleet starship uh, which is in tos and strange new worlds um Mm -hmm. there is an ncc 60597 uss farragut from the ds9 episode not the battle to the strong and from also from star trek generations so the Farragut helped the crew of the USS Enterprise D from Veridian Three. Okay, uh,
0: that that's why I can yeah. hear him saying it then.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Definitely, okay. that's the reference. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so finally, there is a. Um, there were also pins for the USS Excalibur and the USS Yangtze that were created but not used. Okay. And. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we're, we pretty much pretty. Quickly get to the the planet Finibus Three, um, which is which has had a massacre. And, pretty grim, uh, too. Very grim.
0: I mean, like it's you're it's obvious that we are dealing with a very malevolent <laughs> force. Like, well, that's it pretty kind of,
1: did it remind you of the the deserted colony in Serenity?
0: Yeah, with the what are they called? The Reavers or the yeah the Reavers? Is that what they're called?
1: Yeah. But the but the one where the disease spreads or it starts mm-hmm. and so they're just down there and everything is just deserted. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, that's that's what that like whole setting actually reminded me of. And I was expecting something to happen on the colony. But instead it seems just to have been a setup to show the brutality of the gore and visual of right. the blood.
0: And to show that they took their doors from like an office building in Los Angeles or something like the doors for that it was so like those just look like a door that came off the outside of an office building i don't know it was very the doors were very funny to me
1: well they do the series does seem to be using like last week's um the you know the the uh illyrian colony also looked kind of like a very human you know uh biodome type construction like it, it looks very like i feel like some of the technology that they're showing in the show seems very recognizable
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: which was the which was the the this discovery where the uh the 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 room with the mushroom drive where Stamet stands
0: uh-huh.
1: has the little closer on it do you remember that? The door has, like, the, the glass door. They, they uh-huh. show, like, a, a shot where it's looking up at the top of the door. And it uh-huh. has one of those, like, metal closing rods. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? They're still <laughs> using those? Yeah. And um, back in my day, Star Trek didn't show those. They just had a guy standing off to the side with a microphone going... shh, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Anyway, nice. um, yeah. So, so we quickly learn that the colony has been overtaken. There's a ship. they f- that off of survivors, which initially everyone's scared of. But then they they get the survivors, and it turns out there's a hidden Gorn ship that jumps out of the, from behind the planet and starts, or behind the moon, I think, and starts shooting at them.
0: And Laan kind of figures it out ahead of time. So I'm trying to remember: was she on the planet? She was on the planet with them as part of the away team initially, right? Mm-hmm. So she doesn't. I, I'm trying to remember for Spidey senses were going off while she was down on the planet. Like, she was kind of like, this feels... No, I, I think I think
1: she was just kind of... On the planet, there were no references to the Gorn yet. So I knew right. it was going to be the Gorn, right? Everyone made a huge deal about it on, on social media. Oh,
0: I managed to avoid that. So I didn't know.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I knew it was going to be the Gorn. So I was like looking out for her to recognize. She just, I think, references that there's some brutality. Okay. And it's not until... The the girl fig yes. makes some references to with the, the clicking. clicking.
0: Yes, yeah, okay,
1: yeah. That's that's when she re- realizes.
0: But she's having. They're kind of showing her. Um, they don't. They don't portray this incident as the trigger for her PTSD. they're she's showing. They're having her show signs of that before they even encounter the colony or anything i feel because wasn't that one of the opening scenes was her remembering her brother or something yeah
1: she goes onto the bridge i feel like and sees her brother's face oh because
0: they're doing the memorial day so that's why because she's remembering because of the memorial day but i was just i just thought it was interesting that it wasn't this is something she was already primed not to be triggered but I mean, this was already in the forefront of her mind because it was Remembrance Day, exactly. um, and so, but it still took a while for her to connect the dots, considering what she had experienced with the Gorn. So,
1: yes, yes, a hundred percent. And um, I think I didn't think I was expecting a very cliched, like you know, oh my God, it's the Gorn, let's go. We which which is the there's there's isn't there an episode of Star Trek where it's like. One of the characters realizes what's going on while they're on the planet, and they're like, "We've got to get out of here, like
0: mm-hmm. now."
1: Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what that is.
0: I can't remember which one it is, but I know, I know we have definitely seen that happen before in Star Trek, where someone's like, they they realize it a split second before everyone else does, and they're like, "We have to get out of here now."
1: I feel like it's a movie, and it's a TNG movie, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, there's a Picard realizes they've engaged the Borg before they say the Borg on first contact
1: right, 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 but there's there's like that's gonna bother me now all day until I figure out which which episode we're thinking about <laughs> um anyway we'll will might come to me later, not here sure. recording later after I was done recording the episode of Emily. I was thinking about the wrath of Khan when Chekhov realizes that. It's the Botany Bay uh, that they're seeing a bulkhead from. And he's like, Botany Bay, Botany Bay. And and then they, they are about to leave. And then that's when Khan and his followers capture them. All right, back to the episode. We pretty quickly end up with the Enterprise inside a brown dwarf. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The kind of, the, the entire show is pretty much just them trying creative solutions to get out of the gas cloud. Mm-hmm. Um I guess it's kinda of like a submarine episode in yeah. that way. Uh, yeah, you know. it
0: definitely has the the sonar kind of uh, effects and all
1: of that. We learn a little bit new about stuff about the Gorn along the way. Um I guess before we before we jump into the kind of the main plot, I guess I wanted to understand a little bit from your end what the point of the plots in the because there are two other plots, side plots. Mm-hmm. There's there's a part where Una gets blown full of shrapnel, and ends mm-hmm. up in sick bay, and we see throughout the episode that she is going to lose some blood, and there's not enough blood to treat her because the matter synthesizers are gone. Um, so there's that plot, mm-hmm. and then there's the one with Hammer and Uhura in mm-hmm. the cargo bay. I don't really, un- I didn't personally understand the points of those two plots, side plots.
0: You know, in some ways, it kind of reminded me, is it that episode Disaster? Is that the one on uh, in TNG? I think that's the name of it, where they have teams that are in different parts of the ship, and they're all disconnected from one another. Mm-hmm. Now, in that one, it's a little different in that they can't even communicate with each other. So everyone's kind of operating under the assumption that everyone else is dead. Kind of, you know, and they're just so there's a team that's on the bridge. There's Picard and the kids in the turbo lift. There's Mm -hmm. I think there's a team that's in um, uh, in engineering or something, you know, so they're all trying to kind of figure out uh, how to help. And systems are kind of shut off from one another. And that reminded me this episode reminded me of that, Um, except they were able to communicate with each other, but just kind of. Um, how separated everyone was, and they weren't able to help in the ways that they ordinarily would. So I feel like the sick bay plot—I mean, was well—to show that it was harder for them to treat people than it ordinarily would have been, but also showing why Una was out of commission, and then um, then Hemmer and uh, and Uhura basically. So they, in some ways, w- their part of the plot was. I mean obviously the gorn was very serious but they they were in the in a place where potentially what the uh the damage that happened in that part of the ship could ultimately destroy the whole ship right
1: Right right they said basically we can't let this blow up in right. uh, in the cargo bay Yeah
0: Was it the the air filter thing is that was that the thing they were trying to repair that they couldn't have fixed or was it something else <sighs> I I
1: See, this is this is the thing that I just was like, okay, it's the thing that's gonna blow up.
0: <laughs> I think it must have been the air yeah, filter. It's, they it's, had
1: it's the AP350, is what they were talking about. It made me think um, of a big
0: air conditioning unit because it had like the snowflake thing on the side, you know, like the like to show it was uh-huh. a cooling device or whatever. So
1: Yeah, yeah. So so it's it was the processor. Um let me see which processor it was. Atmospheric processor. So it was an atmospheric processor. So it was the AP three fifth the AP three fifty um that they were working on. Yeah, you were hundred percent correct. Cool. Yeah. I was kind it's... of
0: paying attention to the episode.
1: I I you know that was the thing like I I was just like I you know Starfleet cadets these days they, we we don't really learn about these things do we you know so it's not like, I was like I took that as my signal I don't need to worry about it man it's all good Well I also I just think when I was watching
0: her working on the controls I'm like I could just never make it in Starfleet like there's nothing on that on that pad that she that tells me what you should be pushing and she's like doing two different screens at once yeah yeah no i would the ship would just blow up and you know i i'd be sad but and dead
1: (laughs) right i mean you wouldn't have any feelings at all which would be great right it was uh i I read a um a quote from an explosive ordnance disposal technicians these are the people who find unexploded ordnance in the battlefield and then blow it up safely somewhere else Mm -hmm. and he was like and someone asked him like what if you make a mistake and it's like well if i do it's not my problem anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's uh, it's like you know uh (laughs) that's that's the attitude you gotta take there i guess um let's let's dig into those and we can talk about the the overall plot in the second half of the episode here um so, Hammer turns out to be a pretty cranky guy. We've kind of seen hints of this mm-hmm. before, but he really is just a crank.
0: Mm-hmm. But I did find it interesting that, you know, she makes the comment, how did you end up in Starfleet? Um, aren't all Enar's pacifists or something to that mm-hmm. effect? And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. So, I thought he is very cranky, but I thought that was an interesting development to... Um, kind of tease out of his character. And and when she finally got him talking towards the end about how it is that he could reconcile serving Starfleet, um, you know, and it was, uh, it was out of a, a sense of duty and support to the, the spirit of what the Federation is about. So he wouldn't ever fight for Starfleet. Um, but he wanted to support the vision of the Federation. It sounded like.
1: I mean, this is this is something that is taken into this is this is opening up a discussion that has existed probably since the beginning of mankind. But I think one of the more prominent modern examples, quote unquote modern, I should say, is Quaker pacifism. Right? Mm-hmm. What does it truly mean to be a pacifist throughout America's various conflicts, like the Revolutionary War and mm-hmm. the Civil War, are the most prominent examples. There are Quakers who've chosen to take up arms. And mm-hmm. they've had to like reconcile that with their, quote-unquote, pacifism. Mm-hmm. So this this discussion that we're seeing brought into Star Trek through the A.R. through Hammer, is something that has had a lot of philosophical discussion attached to it in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I... I Whenever we celebrate things like Memorial Day and Veterans Day and all of the other holidays where we celebrate, um, those who have served in the armed forces, and this is not me denigrating those who have served in the armed forces, but I've found it interesting that there doesn't seem to be a time where we as a society celebrate those who are the peacemakers or Mm. who are, um, trying to, to solve problems in the world through ways other than warfare, um, because I remember we had a member of our congregation he's since passed away but he was a conscientious objector in World War II. Yeah. Which is not something you hear about very often. Um World War II seems to be one of the wars that people are find a little easier to justify. Um Even though, you know, the United States didn't get into the war because of what was happening to Jewish people. They got into the war because of Pearl Harbor. But, you know, I mean, there are a whole bunch of other things happening under. I think it was recognizing that there needed to be another catalyst before the United States. The people would be okay with going over to war, you know, so there are a whole Mm -hmm. lot of things happening there. But um, but anyway, I just always found it really fascinating. He was Mennonite. Um, And so it was it was because of his faith that he was a conscientious objector. And I can't remember what it was that he did. But I mean, he he had a way that he was serving the country during the time of World War Two. But he he was doing it in ways that were not taking up arms like he was. So so
1: one of the ways that is that is pretty common And this, there is actually some bits about this in um, Ken Burns's Vietnam War. Is that there are people who were Quakers who served as field medics. Mm. So you would not have arms; you would have the Red Cross in your helmet, and you would go out with your, you know, your squad or whatever into mm-hmm. the field. But you wouldn't take up arms and shoot. You would right. just. And there are field medics who have won the Medal of Honor, mm-hmm. um, serving in that role. So that's a role that that some um, folks have. I believe actually conscientious objectors can be enlisted in those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's been, I, and I mean, this is a, like I said, this is, a, this is a discussion that has gone down a long time. I mean, in the most recent Ukraine conflict, for example, Ukraine prevented all men in the country from leaving, mm-hmm. uh, saying that they were needed for the flight. And so you know, one of the philosophical questions comes in, if you're a pacifist, but you're being invaded by another country and your country needs you for existentialist survival, potentially against a genocidal enemy, what does does your pacifism mean in that context? Does it mean that you're allowing your your fellow countrymen and your neighbors to get killed because you refuse to participate in the effort to kill a genocidal invader? That's obviously an extreme example, but there have always been discussions of this sort. So to have, I guess, Hammer come in and say, like, pacifism doesn't mean passivity, Mm -hmm. or... I think to touch on the discussion that a lot of Trekkies have about Starfleet's, you know, exploration versus right, action-based warfare, military. Mm-hmm. So I think it touches on those live wires, which I really appreciate. I think it's the yeah. kind of discussion that we should be having.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, and these are things like, um, as a minister, and when I, well, when I was in seminary, um, I found myself really kind of veering toward... I mean, I'd always been someone who was... Um, uh, passionate about social justice, but I found myself really focusing a lot on nonviolence and what what that nonviolence looks like. Um, okay. And you know, I mean, like looking at the life of Jesus at the, and also looking at the life of Gandhi and the life of Martin Luther King Jr. You know, people who who really embodied that. Um, Mm -hmm. that nonviolence but not in a but in in some ways it's uh, pacifism maybe isn't even the best way to describe it like it was nonviolent resistance because it wasn't being a doormat for uh people to just walk over you because you weren't going to take up arms it was finding creative ways to um to either stand in the way of those who were um causing oppression or to um like subvert their efforts or anyway. So it, right, it is really right. fascinating. And and I think it would be, because um, I feel like Starfleet, you know, in, in the ideals, you know, wants to be uh, about exploration and not about warfare, but their ships are armed to the teeth. And, you know, so it's, yeah. it, it is something um, that could bear some greater conversation or might be really interesting to see them... Touch on that more with Hemmer and what that looks like, and anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think it would be good, and I think they've opened the door to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, to touch on your point from earlier, by the way, International Day of Peace is twenty first September, and it's observed by the UN. Obviously, not yet a holiday in America. I can't mm-hmm. remember it was in India. Um, try, I was trying since you mentioned. I was trying to rack my brain to think yeah. if we, India had any holidays like that. I don't think we did, and I think you're mm-hmm. right that it yeah. would be good to to take a day to recognize kind of, I, I don't know, peace or nonviolence mm-hmm. or peacemaking. We have the Nobel Peace Prize, of course, but mm-hmm. so I feel like there are kind of internationally accepted ways of recognizing it, but mm-hmm. I, there is, we don't take a day to kind of think about it and it would be good. So yeah. oh, by the way, to, to inaugurate International Day of Peace, the, the United Nations Peace Bell is rung at UN headquarters in New York City. The bell is cast from coins donated by children from all continents except Africa. That's strange. I don't know why. Mm. <laughs> and it was a gift from the United Nations Association of Japan as a reminder of the human cost of the war. Can we just make a hammer out of coins from Africa or something and add them? Like it's kind of yeah. a <laughs> weird. That is strange. Uh, yeah, I want to know. I'm, I'm. This is this is very interesting. So it looks like it's a bell. I don't know if you, if Emily, if you've studied bells from um this. Uh, southeast asia Mm, no so they're they're different than like western bells they're Mm -hmm. brass bells and they have a stronger cultural significance they're Mm -hmm. rung with a uh, a a wooden mallet coming in from the side Mm -hmm. typically anyway so it's it's that type of bell and um i i don't know why i can't find an explanation of why it says all continents except africa (laughs)
0: Probably because they don't, you know, so much of the warfare that happens in Africa was caused by colonization and, going yeah. in and anyway, it's like, like people want to say, oh, all the stuff that happens in Africa. I'm like, yeah, you need to turn around and look at yourself in the mirror and see what ways people who you are descended from have had a part in that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I, I wish I could believe that it had that much significance. I'm probably thinking it's more of just an oversight oh, Yeah. somebody no. decided not to fix. Um, that that which seems is like even a worse. really
0: glaring oversight, though.
1: Hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Like what? we are going to create this thing of worldwide significance that means a lot. Oh, and we forgot—like <laughs> one of the biggest places on Earth with a lot of people <laughs> oh, in, warfare, in warfare. Uh, in <sighs> warfare. Oh man! Well, anyway, this hammer uh, <laughs> helped us discover some very interesting facts today. <laughs> um, so he smashes his hand, and that was kind of like I, heard, I, I, my hand started painting a little yeah, bit watching I was that a little, happen. Yeah. But um, he he smashes up his hand, and then Ohura, as you mentioned, has to quickly learn how to fix the AP three hundred and fifty by bleeping and blooping some buttons and pulling things <laughs> off the device. I could not track what was happening. I couldn't no. like understand why the thing was like, well, I'm going to blow up. Okay, I'm fine. I'm going to blow up. Okay, yeah. I'm fine. I'm like, did you get that?
0: Yeah, no, no, I didn't.
1: It, it, in a way, it's kind of, I guess it's elegant not to go into the minutiae of all that, right? Like. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, but, I mean, I,
0: I, I mean, I just felt like the overarching point of that whole segment of the story was for Hammer to ultimately be impressed by Uhura. Like that was the whole, they kind of signal that from their first conversation at the beginning of the episode. And then at the end, he says, you have impressed me or, or whatever it was he said, but something to that effect.
1: It's like the Borg queen. You have done a very dangerous thing. You have impressed me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you will now have extra engineering rotations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also glad that they, 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 Mention that, uh, or they reference that engineers and communications personnel wear the same red in TOS era, so that you know. Uh, yeah. So so they they're like they they can do the jobs in either department. Um, well,
0: yeah, because I was I found myself wondering now what track would Uhura have been on, you know, just based right. on yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Which wasn't like weren't like Sulu did sulu also wear a felt- red shirt for a little while before switching to yellow or something
0: yeah i can't remember but i was like thinking about so um the red shirt it became what yellow in tng and beyond right like those right those fields so i was trying to think like um would that have kind of been like what harry kim's post was was kind of similar to what uhura's kind of operations
1: yeah yeah yeah, I think so. Sort of like because they didn't really have the like communications officer going ahead, right? And, um, so Sulu originally wore blue the
0: ops, I guess, or I don't know. Anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And Anton Chekhov was a Russian playwright and short storyteller. Nope, sorry, wrong Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Chekhov who originally wore um, red on screen and then switched to yellow later.
0: Oh, maybe
1: check uh, Chekhov. Um, Ow! Oh, my cat bit me. I'm giving her pets while <laughs> doing the podcast, and she just bit me. My Be cat like, does that. She's we're like, we're not paying attention. Too
0: much stimulation.
1: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Anyway, um, yeah, I think I think you're right. Basically, Uhura is slowly earning re- respect from the other Starfleet officers, mm-hmm. despite being a cadet. I guess we're also getting her displaying her smarts, as you said. You know, neither of us can <laughs> imagine learning <laughs> things on the fly like her. So. Yeah. We as a viewer are getting to appreciate her um her her sensible sensibility in that regard. Uh and we also got basically I think in that in that uh sequence we also get this the you know your classic venting air cliche, <laughs> which has yeah. happened in so many space movies yep. over the years. Did you think that there was gonna be the, the little buckle was gonna break and they were gonna have to like grab each other and we grab onto
0: like a hand like at the last second they grab a handle before they fly out of the bay yeah
1: well she has to grab hammer's hand and he's like ah
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) not that hand
1: (laughs) (laughs) they play it for laughs that would be pretty great
0: um and then they do the freeze frame and then the credits roll
1: yeah right Um, uh, I think it was worth it just to see Anson Mount's acting when he goes, like, relieved.
0: Mm, oh, it really was. Yeah, no, that was, I thought that was a particularly fine moment from him.
1: He's so good.
0: He is. He is great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. Well, okay, let's jump over real quick to the sickbay scenes. Um, basically sickbay is hobbled. There's a limited amount of plasma to go around, um... Nurse Chapel's obsession with archaeological medicine.
0: <laughs> is that is that like Tom Paris's obsession with old earth vehicles? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just want to meet the Starfleet officers like I'm obsessed with cigarettes man. I yeah. smoke Marlboros. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. You're just like sticking with like things that are outdated and probably dangerous. Um,
0: but the other thing that was odd about it was so then I expected to see Nurse Chapel being the yeah, one for the exactly. surgery, but it wasn't, it wasn't Benga. So I was like, well, what, why did we even have that little exchange?
1: Exactly, exactly, 100%. So so this this is something I had to look up. It's a reference to Nurse Chapel's husband, Roger Corby. Who is oh. an expert? He's he's by, described by Spock as the pasteur of archaeological medicine, as well as a former professor. Oh, so because
0: how like my husband is a photographer, so clearly I know something about photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the, that's don't kind of... you? Goodness well, but I mean they might
1: have met because of it, right? Like, I mean, uh, it could I think, be that could be. I think it that's slightly to... more believable because she's a nurse. So they <laughs> yeah, I been guess like... that's
0: true. I guess that's true. But it's just you know... like that doesn't my my. my Partner's expertise does not equal my expertise.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Roger Corby, by the way, in the TOS episode, What Are Little little Girls girls Made made Of? Of. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, uh, where he has created an android lady. Uh, I have not watched it, but I am reading the description of the the episode and being like, wow, okay, that, uh, uh, hmm, excuse me.
0: Yeah. No, not a a personal favorite. Nah,
1: nah. Okay. All right, good. <laughs> uh let's leave it there. Which which thematic elements did you get out of this sick Bay sequence? Like was it basically trying to reconcile the Una Mobango relationship that broke down in the last episode, you think? Or was it something else?
0: <sighs> no, I just I don't know. It it just it that was the most I felt like that was kind of the most disjointed of all of them. Like it just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was supposed to make us care more about there not being uh, resources available to sick Bay. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just, I was, cause when, as I was watching it, I wasn't thinking about that at all about their last exchange, you know, like it just wasn't, I was just thinking about, you know, well, I know she's not going to die. So even though she's saying, and that's, I will say that is one of the down, not downsides. Cause I don't want anyone to die. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're watching a show that takes place prior to other shows that you've seen, like, I was like, well, I know that, I know that person's not dying. Oh, I know they're all going to make it out. Okay. <laughs> like this, you know, like there aren't stakes in the same way because we just know that, I mean, they're not going to all of a sudden just, you know, kill uhura right or mm-hmm, um and exactly, at that point they're yeah, not gonna yeah, kill yeah,
1: number yeah. one so but yeah yeah i think I th- that is kind of like a I i think it is kind of a anxiety relief valve yeah. in some of these scenes you know that uhura is gonna show up again right. later so right right um, right for sure but no think, did you
0: have was there something that you thought about that scene the sickbay scene I, or are you just I, trying I was, to figure out
1: some reason for it i think it was a source of tension for the overall plot like you know we we don't want her to die um there was some meaning i think we learned something about una's character when she refuses treatment to have the other officer get mm-hmm. treated um i think that was that was a noble moment for her and then watching mabenga basically have himself hooked up to her yeah which I guess I've never seen that happen with another with a human being hooking up themselves to another human being. I, I, I don't know if that's possible medically. I don't know.
0: I've seen I, they, I've seen them do it in movies all the time.
1: OK, OK, OK. So maybe it is like a thing that happens.
0: I think and I feel like it's something that happens in um, in battlefields like you or sometimes okay. when you get I, I feel like it's something kind of when you're in a triage situation and you don't always have uh, the resources available that they've done person to person transfusions.
1: Okay, okay, good to know. Um, I wonder if you can just reverse it by going and squeezing the other person. Like, <laughs> okay, give it back. <laughs> anyway, um, making
0: so I guess you have to make sure you hit. Are you supposed to make sure it's going? Yeah, I you know that there a must good, be some like, way to do it. Right? Do you have to tap into an? artery on one and a vein on the other or i don't know
1: must be right like it's kind I'm of inconvenient doctor, so. yeah yeah <laughs> We're neither of us are into archaeological medicine <laughs> um so yeah i i guess th- those are the only things i really got out of it was just kind of this like sense of tension and and the the um meaningful relationship between mubanga and una uh, yeah and well and I character. also did think
0: well gosh I'm glad that human to Illyrian uh, blood transfusions can work <laughs> so because she's not they're not the same species so mm-hmm.
1: that mm-hmm. would be
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: so let's let's take a break here we'll come back and discuss more the, the main plot of this episode did you see something Fig it was dark I didn't see it It makes noises like this. La Anta Bridge. We need to scan the area for polarised
0: EM signatures. Quickly.
1: What is it? I'm not sure yet. Sensors are detecting a slight optical distortion near the second moon. A hologram, sir. Raise shields now! Raise shields, red alert! We
0: can't, the transport tube, we can't raise shields.
1: Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We were just discussing how I noticed that the episode, What Little Girls Are Made Of, which creepy title, by the way, very Mm -hmm. creepy title, Um, is one of the episodes in which the phallic rock from TOS is shown. I don't know if it's shown in multiple episodes or just this one, but there's at least one on Memory Alpha. There's a screenshot of the Android Kirk from that episode holding up the phallic rock. Uh, So, very strange prop. I just had to
0: do a Google search for Android Kirk phallic rock.
1: Did you find find what you were looking for? I did,
0: but surely this isn't. That's not really... That's photoshopped, right?
1: No, no, that is that is the legit rock. Um yeah. That that it's only in this one episode. And it is for sure it looks like a, a huge dildo, like giant. Uh, oh my god. Right. Like it has like even
0: the lighting on it like
1: it has, and it's not just, like, it's, like, a pointed, you know.
0: No, it's got balls. Like,
1: yeah, it's 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 got the sack and the shaft in there, and it's very strange. And the strange.
0: head, and anyway, wow.
1: Apparently, Kirk, like, pulls it off the ceiling.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Oh, my
1: God. It's canon in Star Trek now, so wow. it's got to make a reappearance. I bet Lord X is going to bring it back at some point. Uh, well, let's let's get back to Memento Mori. Um, so this was a very grim, I feel like, the main plot of Memento Mori was really grim compared to most of the other three episodes we watched so far. And even just generally in Star Trek terms, I feel like it was a very grim plot.
0: It was. It really was. Like, it was one of those, like, I mean, I think it was a good episode, but it was kind of a... Huh? <laughs> like it just kind of yeah well it, was,
1: it wasn't like you know we're gonna watch our charismatic fun crew do some fun right. things it was like oh my god they're gonna die everyone's yeah. dying things are blowing up
0: and I mean I guess I guess Star Trek has episodes like that all the you know all of the other series have episodes like that but I just and it could just be on the heels of what we have experienced in this country in the past week I was like I didn't know that I wanted to watch that <laughs> like, I was kind of like, I just wanted to have an adventure where we went to a strange new world.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, not 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 the Gorn, please. Right. I I mean, also, they they did the whole thing where like no one's seen the Gorn. And I wonder if that was because of the TOS episode.
0: Yeah, because they hadn't encountered them before, right? That was I think species. so, I think
1: so. And I, I really wish Star Trek would let go of that canon. Like, I thought Enterprise did try to shoehorn that whole mm-hmm. nobody has seen the Romulans thing, which I thought was really unnecessary.
0: Well, they cause... had the Gorn in Enterprise, too.
1: Right, yeah. They yeah. Had... Well, well, the Gorn were in Enterprise in the alternate reality. Oh. Where, where Slar, the Gorn, is the leader of the scavengers in on the USS Defiant. Which is the which is the uh, ship that alternate reality Archer okay, finds? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I I I wish because it, it honestly for me it strains credulity when things like this happen more so than I, I would I would prefer to have that taken away and it just being explained as a mistake and a line we should ignore mm-hmm. than trying to stick to these kind of harder um, things to reconcile yeah. for current TV shows. So. Um, well, we we get the the Gorn. Uh, initially, we think, okay, this little ship is the one that we're fighting, and then it turns out there's a big ship that the little ships are coming out of. Um, and the big ship doesn't seem to like the little ships very much. Mm-mm. It just uh,
0: is willing to sacrifice them, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's just like there seems to be very little. Respect for life in general among for the core sure. hegemony, which I guess makes sense with the way they've been portrayed, mm-hmm. um, and and they basically sacrifice that one little ship to draw the Enterprise out, mm-hmm. which I thought was creative—a creative way to bring the tension back and mm-hmm. and keep our characters from feeling safe. Um, it, it, well, it yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh no, I was just also thinking like it was interesting that. Um, For as scary as the Gorn are, their ships don't seem to be quite as tough, maybe as the Enterprise, because the Enterprise was able to withstand the pressures as they went further into the, then when they going like further down into the brown dwarf or something, and the but ultimately the Gorn ship was destroyed by doing that, and Enterprise was able to escape it. So I just I found that interesting too.
1: Yeah. It was also, it gave us a chance to see Pike using the, kind of turning the Gorn's tactics um, against them. So mm-hmm. basically, it's using a psychological profile to build a defensive strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think, so uh, when we were watching the episode, we were talking about this. That's kind of the way Kirk ends up having to defeat the Gorn. Um because he realizes he can't overpower the Gorn. Like, that's not right. that's not how he's going to win. So he kind of has to figure out a way to outsmart the Gorn um, and ultimately is able to use some of the resources on the planet to create some sort of explosive device or something. But, um, but yeah, so I think there are kind of glimmers of that in how they had Pike uh, carry out this mission, I guess, for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, the I think the other thing that this piece of the episode got I th- I think did successfully also was to show us Nan's uh, development as uh, Laan's Laan. Yeah, sorry, Commander Nan is in Discovery. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Laan is in this, um, and we promise. There's we a have...
0: Khan, a Nan, and a Laan. I mean, come on, can't they be a little more creative with their names?
1: <laughs> They're just non-stop with these names, huh? <laughs> okay. Now
0: I want Nan. <laughs>
1: Yeah, anyway, me too. okay. I always want naan.
0: It's, yeah, good, no, stuff. it's good
1: stuff. Yeah, me too. It's good stuff. Yeah, I never made it at home. Anyway, um, bringing back to Commander la oh, Lieutenant, I'm just getting all sorts of turned around right now. Garlic La'an is what I want to eat later today. I
0: was going to say, now all we can think about
1: is, yeah. is bread. Okay. Um, hmm. Funny story. Naan in India... You, you know, one of the most famous types of naan in India is butter naan. So, like, mm-hmm. you can get regular naan, butter naan, garlic naan. Now, but now I went back to India recently and they've got, like, cheese naan, masala naan. It's like their naan variations are just going crazy. Mm.
0: Is cheese naan, is it, like, inside the naan or is it on the outside? No, it's just
1: topped, topped. Oh, so okay. so Kind of like naan,
0: how they do the garlic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naan typically doesn't have stuffing and it's not mm-hmm. infused in the, the dough. That's right. the difference. So there's there's a variety of Indian like flatbreads. called paratha, mm-hmm. and paratha will typically be stuffed, or it ah. will have like stuff kind of impressed into the 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 flatbread. Uh-huh. Naan will typically have the stuff just slathered on top, or like topped on it. Yeah, nice. obviously oh. this, there's variations and uh, of this in all sorts of uh, ways, but I want Indian food. Yeah, me too. Mm. There's no good Indian food in, in the Twin Cities, unfortunately. There's, there's decent Indian food. There's no good Indian food.
0: There's decent Indian food in Springfield. Amazingly, Springfield actually has a lot of good, different kinds of food, which is very strange. But mm. yeah, like, yeah, we've got a really big assortment of restaurants and not all the chain restaurants that people are used to. They're different, kind of. Anyway, but yeah, we've got some. There's a new Indian restaurant we're going to try tomorrow. We're excited.
1: Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. And i actually just remembered that there's an indian place that i haven't tried that promises to actually be very authentic in the twin cities it's got um uh it's it's like a chain of south indian restaurants mm. that's, that's countrywide that just opened so
0: i will I'll let you know that.
1: maybe that will be my next week strange new take is my review of kumar's um <laughs> All right, back to Lieutenant Laan. Yes. I did that right this time. You did. Her her growth as a character, and particularly as a leader, was something that I really... I feel like we haven't seen a lot of this in Star Trek where we've, where we've had a captain apprentice one of the other senior officers and tell them, like, hey, I need you to do this Yeah. to grow into your next role.
0: Right, right. Like, don't just be the bearer of bad news and tell everyone how we're all just going to die. Like, you need to... <laughs> You need to inspire yeah. them to do something other than just die. So.
1: <laughs> well, and she seems like so much of a one-dimensional character just mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. To be honest, in, in the previous episodes, I mean, I, I have at least been like, okay, she's the like grim type who, who's kind of humorless and takes pain. Mm-hmm. And so to see her like stretch herself like this was kind of interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was. It was.
1: Um. So okay, we 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 get we get that aspect of it. Ortega's uh has her quips throughout the episode as well, which I I enjoyed that. Uh, You
0: know, I'm enjoying them using each other's first names. Like you could just tell that that does that is not something they've done on the other Star Trek shows. But it's really, I mean, like they call the captain Chris, and he'll call. You know, like he's like, hey, Erica do this really? you know like anyway i, no, I missed so, that yeah no they they do it a lot they use they use each other's first names um and so yeah so i just thought oh he that's they're kind of setting that this is a uh pike isn't a very um i mean he, obviously he is part of a hierarchical hierarchical organization but i think i feel like he really values the camaraderie and the um relationships that are happening between the crew which is why he hosts those dinners and and does all of that but yeah i mean because yeah i've heard i've heard more than just una call him chris mm. and i i noticed him calling um calling ortegas erica in the midst of like a crisis so
1: interesting i love to pay attention to that that is something i 100 percent missed huh, um yeah no, that's really cool um the I think Ortegas' character is a really interesting one because I expected her to be kind of like a tough, no nonsense. Like watching the like, uh, character design, I thought uh-huh. that's what they were gonna go with her, but instead it's she's just this like quippy, fun, yeah. like goofy person.
0: I like her. I love how she's like. Yes, okay. We'll go into the something of death. I can't remember what her line yeah. was, but it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> the swirling cloud of death.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, the look yeah. on
0: Pike's face when she said that <laughs> was just great.
1: Yeah, he's like, "Can you not uh can you just get with the program and be positive, please?" <laughs> <laughs> uh so we 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 got that aspect out of it, and I think the ultimate resolution was decent. I thought it was decent. I I guess, I, I don't know, it left me wishing for some sort of resolution with the Gorn, but I guess we're never going to get that. It was yeah, just besides like,
0: them just thinking that the Enterprise was destroyed and so they go off on their own merry way.
1: Right, right. Yeah. It just seemed a little short.
0: I kind of wanted that. I thought maybe they were going to not be able to escape the gravity well and they were going to end up in the black hole. Right. That's right. kind of what I thought was going to happen, but no.
1: That could actually be cool, you know. I would have thought of that as kind of a decent way to end this, Uh, kind of, but, uh, yeah.
0: And then that could also explain why maybe they didn't encounter the Gorn again until Kirk had his... If they did want to do, you know, because, like, this encounter, mm-hmm. well, those Gorn were all destroyed, so...
1: Right, exactly, you know. so we didn't see them. Yeah, no, I like that, I like that. It's... Again, I think I think the Strange New Worlds people would do well to stay away from the kind of uh, little tiny bits of TOS canon that they sh- they don't need to stick to mm-hmm. so closely. Mm-hmm. Um, Just before we finish, a couple of little random bites. Did you notice the blue shirt saving the red shirt in oh. this episode? A little bit of uh, a different... Take on the shirt colors dying?
0: mm I did not notice that.
1: Uh-huh. That was that was there. Then we had uh also got Ethan Peck's box saying sensors.
0: Yes, yes, I did notice the sensors. And they also had to have the mind meld happening.
1: hmm hmm And we did not get the sabotage from Kirk, which is the next thing that we need. Uh, but.
0: <laughs> storage, compartment, storage compartment, storage compartment.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're going to get that from the next Kirk who's cast. <laughs> um, sabotage. I guess, I guess we haven't talked really about Laon's past, that, that flashback.
0: Yeah, where we find out that her brother, like, she, part of the reason she lived is because her brother 100% sacrificed himself. So that she and, could and
1: created a, a decoder for the language mm-hmm. as well.
0: Yeah, so that they were able to trick the other Gorn, the big Gorn ship, right? That's how they tricked the big Gorn ship into. Is that one of your cats?
1: That was one of my cats. <laughs> yeah.
0: That they were able to trick the big Gorn ship into destroying the smaller Gorn ship, right?
1: Right, right, exactly, exactly. So it, it was. It's kind of neat. I I enjoyed it. Um, It was interesting to see how Spock reacted when La'an found out he had a sister. Mm -hmm. He seemed as upset as all of us were to hear that Spock had a sister when Discovery was announced. (laughs) (laughs) So... um it was kind of strange because I thought he would be like more like oh yeah sorry it's classified I can't talk about it but instead he was like really angry
0: yeah but, I also wondered why they all kept their uniforms on we've seen plenty of Star Trek shows where they start discarding part of their uniforms when it gets that hot
1: oh yeah 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 this this wasn't a uh, sweaty Janeway with her right. hot grey undershirt situation right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true.
0: I I I know that they're fit under those uniforms. So I don't know, you know. They yeah, could have they could have had the gun show going
1: on, but <laughs> handsome mount really showing his handsomeness. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time for our strange new ratings. So, Emily, would you like to rate Memento Mori first or should I go first? What do you think? Um,
0: I think I'll go first you know I'm just I overall I really am enjoying um strange new worlds and so I think I'll give this a four out of five I didn't like it as much as last week's episode I really liked last week's episode but I mm-hmm. thought this was a good solid episode a disaster kind of episode for Star Trek um perhaps maybe not the best week for this to have aired just you know it was a grim week and it was kind of a grim episode so I think that probably affected some of my viewing pleasure.
1: <laughs> but, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it was okay. I, I mean, I'm I'm not like, I don't think it was bad. I thought it was just like kind of, um, it, I think the previous three episodes have set such a high bar for Strange yeah. New Worlds that it, it sometimes can feel more disappointing than it actually is in yep. a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So seven out of 10 for me. Um, yeah. Definitely looking forward to next week. I hope we get back to a little bit less heavy, uh f- emotional kind of situation with next week's episode.
0: Yeah, is next week's is next week's episode the Spock episode or is that later?
1: Yep, it's called Spock Amok.
0: Okay, yeah, I knew there was one coming up with him. So
1: So pretty sure that's going to be a reference to a mock time. Uh, I would imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Wow, so
0: we've got a mock time, we've got time amok and we've got Spock amok <laughs> or a mock Spock, which one is it? <laughs> Spock amok.
1: Spock uh, a mock spock is next season there you go okay <laughs> a mock time is the one where he meets Depring, right
0: right or that where they're supposed to be getting a yeah, fight to the death or, yeah, yeah yeah
1: so maybe that will they'll break off their engagement or something in the next episode yeah that maybe that. we shall see we shall see all right well thank you emily for coming in to discuss this episode with yeah. me um thanks Notch, it was fun yeah, of course, and thank you, Adam, Bill, Rudy, Max, and Dinah for being our other co-hosts. Hopefully, you watched this episode and enjoyed it too. Um, thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. We always appreciate hearing you strum away at the guitar at the end and beginning of our episodes. And thank you, dear listeners, uh, for for listening in as well. We always appreciate when uh, when you're able to download and make a part make us a part of your week. And special shout out. Uh, this week real quick to uh, a listener who dropped us a line on our Facebook page earlier. His name's Michael Gloucester, and uh, really appreciated seeing your your note. And and finally, special thanks this week to uh, The Gorn for not having to appear on screen and not Uh, you know, showing themselves on hail because that meant that the the crew of Strange New Worlds didn't need to create any costumes. So, (laughs) saved a little production budget and got us a great episode. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye.